I feel like I should know this. My guest today, she's the head of her own business resilience consulting firm. Her name is Alexandra, but for the life of me, I just can't remember her surname. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Resilient Journey podcast, sponsored by Clear Risk. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and my guest this week, Alexandra Hoffman, joins us from France as we kick off a two-part series on leadership. Listen today as Alexandra reminds us why we can't interchange the terms business continuity and resilience. She talks about the leadership skills professionals need to demonstrate and explains how to handle situations when you need to ask for help. Alexandra also discusses how being a CEO and mother isn't for the faint of heart. The Hoffman and Hoffman episode begins right after this from Clear Risk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis, helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Alexandra, welcome to the Hoffman and Hoffman episode. One Hoffman wasn't enough. We had to add another one. Um, I'm glad to have you here. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Hello, Mark, and thank you very much for reaching out and for having me. Um, So I'm Alexandra Hoffman, and I've been in the security and crisis management industry for over 20 years now, and um, uh, been working for several uh, corporate brands uh, across uh, around the world. And three years ago, I built my own uh, consulting company around business resilience, Mm -hmm. which is now called Crisis Ally. So that's it for me. And you're uh, from previous conversations, you're in France and you said you're about three hours from Paris, right? Yes, I sit in, I'm sitting in France. I'm French and uh, I am three, away, uh, three hours away from Paris by uh, TGV. <laughs> yep. And so you mentioned the word uh, resilience, business resilience, and we're hearing that a lot more now. But I know from having other conversations with you that you don't agree that resilience and business continuity are necessarily the same thing or those terms aren't necessarily interchangeable. Explain what you mean by that, because it's interesting. Thank you for asking, Mark. And it's actually interesting because it's only recently that I realized that for some people it's become a synonym, which I disagree with, uh, because when I... Well, everything I'm going to say is obviously based on my own experience, I would say personal and operational and managerial experience, Mm -hmm. that when I set up my business to talk about business resilience, I never meant to only focus on business continuity. To the contrary, I actually meant to build bridges um, across the silos that we consciously built over the years between security, safety, HR, crisis management, incident management, risk management, business continuity management, and crisis communications, and so on, and so on, and so on. So to me, business resilience is all about not building a new category, just consciously um, opening up an umbrella under which 
everything falls under. And to me, every single part of the system of any given organization, whether it's big, small, huge, intermediate, whatever, public, private, NGOs, right? Mm -hmm. Every single part of this organization plays a huge role in the resilience system. And when I say part, I don't only mean individuals. Of course, individuals are at the forefront of this, of this topic, right? But also every single function, every single business unit. That's why to me, uh, putting resilience and BCM as synonyms to me is a, is yet a, a it's a mistake. And I, I, yeah, I do not agree with this. It's um, resilience is much broader and more, much more ambitious, I would say, than uh, pure business continuity management. Also more intentional, right? Exactly. More intentional. That's exactly it. You know, it's much more long-term. It's, uh, it, it's um, all-encompassing, basically, to me. This is really about uh, making sure, it, I think it's also really putting forward the responsibility that every single organization around this world has today. When I say responsibility is when we build a business, uh, and you and you might agree with me, we build a business, we want it to be sustainable, not only because we want to make money out of it, but mm-hmm. also we want to keep on serving the clients we're serving. We don't want to let down our, our vendors. We don't want to let down our employees. Right. So that brings a lot of responsibility for to it, right? So that's to me that concept of resilience and business resilience. When I embedded it in my company's DNA three years ago, was about this: putting forward the responsibility that every single organization around this planet, and we actually see that people are more and more um, feeling responsible as you know, individual belonging to organizations or CEOs or whatever level they're at, they, we see the reaction toward, you know, with, the rea- with what's going on um, in Ukraine, right? Everyone right. is feeling responsible. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So uh, about this time last year, I was hearing from a lot of colleagues sort of right in the middle uh, of the pandemic or in the midst of the pandemic, And they were telling me that their organization didn't feel that the work they were doing brought any real value to the organization, whether it was, it it was primarily around business continuity. And I spent a fair amount of time working on this and providing ways for practitioners to demonstrate value. But ultimately, it's up to the practitioner, isn't it, to understand what matters to the organization. And I think you and I are on the same page with this. It starts with leadership qualities on the practitioner's part. So explain what leadership skills we as business continuity professionals should be able to demonstrate. Thank you very much for asking this uh, question, Mark. I I think, allow me to say, it's a brilliant way to put it. Last week, I was hosting a roundtable for my clients and prospects, uh, and that was exactly around, uh, around this topic. So how do we make sure that we influence others, right? And what do we do to influence them better? Influence in, ter- in, in, a, in a good way, I would say, because obviously we can always have a positive and a negative influence. The idea here is to have a positive influence on others, right? Yep. And one of the attendees 
asked a very, very uh, direct and straightforward question, which was, you know what, when I start not having influence on my stakeholders, the only thing I'm asking myself is, what am I doing wrong? It's not what's wrong with them. It's what am I doing wrong so that they don't hear what I'm saying or they don't understand what I'm saying, right? So I think it's... um, does it come back does it come come down to 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 leadership or just to basic human interaction skills i'm i'm not sure to be honest with you uh-huh. um i think it comes down to having a lot of self awareness and being in this in this industry you right in, including all of my peers right now whether it's security crisis management business continuity risk management we have a duty to make sure that people hear um, what we're saying because I believe what we're doing is important. And um, yes, it comes down to making sure that we speak the same language. It comes down to making sure that we are able to build trust with them, um, which is a huge thing, right? People expect that because it's all about audit and compliance and because it's it's important to manage risks. It's important to put plans in place. It's important to train people about this topic. They think everyone will feel the same way. Sometimes we think I've been guilty of this myself, right? It's important to me, so it should be important to everyone else. It's not. Yeah. It's not. So it's all about building relationships and trust beforehand. And I I, I, I had the same feedback from a lot of our peers Um at the beginning and in the midst of COVID, of course, mm-hmm. you know, some of them feeling left aside or um, actually being um, being uh, laid off, I would say, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a tough question, but, you know, what could, I, what could they have done better? It, and it's all about, you know, we're talking about resilience here. It's all about this, right? When, when I don't manage to influence my own stakeholders that's the first question i'm asking myself what i'm why what did i where did i fail you're exactly right though so in the in the midst of the pandemic if an organization built uh, a strategy whether it's for people working from home or build a strategy on how we're going to return people to the office that type of thing and they didn't engage the business continuity team then that is a huge red flag that's saying that that continuity team is not resonating. It's not influencing that organization because that was clearly where, um, you know, that the, the focus should have been with that, with the continuity team. Um, um, allow me to, to, to just add something. I, I just want to give a little bit, uh, cut a, a little bit of slack uh, to our, to our peers, you know, to our, to, to, to ourselves. It's not all about our responsibilities only. It's everyone's responsibility. That's my point here. It's also the executive's responsibility to make sure that they include those topics first and foremost. So I would say it's like in any relationship. It's it's not a one-way street, right? Sure. So everyone is responsible. If it if the program failed at some point, right? It's mm-hmm. everyone's responsibility. But yes, it's also obviously up to the program owner to question what was, you know, not going well and not. But the thing is, I understand as well, because I've been there, that we are assigned a certain budget and certain number of resources that we have to go with, right? So we can't, 
do magic if we have no resources, basically, when so many teams are just teams of one, two, at the most three, right? Right. And it's, I understand it's really hard. I just want to give a one piece of data here that I've actually shared with my, my people last week during the roundtable, which I found really interesting to keep in mind. The studies, uh, the studies show that when companies want to go through a transformation or implement some, some big program, right? If we want this program to be successful, we need to, in, uh, to, to involve a minimum of 7% seven, 7 of employees, 7% of yeah. employees of the entire workforce. So take any global company and do yeah. the math. Yeah. And most of the time, when we are responsible for a crisis management program, for a security program, for a business continuity program, do we have 7% of employees involved in the program? I don't think so. So, uh, and it takes time to also get to that point, right? So it's, it's, there is a big shift, right? Everyone see the importance of this topic now. And um, so there's a huge opportunity for all of us all of us outside companies like you and I, Mark, but also inside companies to really approach things differently and, and work on leadership skills that will help jump to the next step, basically, to the, yeah, to the next step, like a stair, right? <laughs> like a staircase. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. But, you know, I'm going to pull some responsibility back on us here then. I mean, you said, yes, it's, you know, it's never just a one-way uh, street when it comes to that relationship building, but the responsibility that our peers have, um, they can't just sort of casually go about a job in business continuity, crisis management, information security, resilience. You can't be casual about it. There really is a need for the practitioners to be fully engaged and to be, or at least to be on the road to becoming an expert in their field. That's for sure. And, and some might argue that it will be true for any job, but especially mm. this job, if there's no passion, you might as well get out of it. It's just, it, it, it's what's at stake is too high for the companies we serve. Yeah. And it, I think it requires huge amount of energy to be good at it, to influence people the right way. And Honestly, the, the best practitioners I've seen in my career have been the passionate ones, have been the one putting huge amount of energy into the work and the job. And um, of course, you know, working on their hard skills and soft skills as well. It's not only one thing and one um, special ingredient that we need, but if we, don't, if we don't have the passion and the energy in that job, I, yeah, I don't know how we can do it. And especially right now, you see the COVID in Ukraine and Many companies are also facing lots of other things, right? So yeah. because it's never ending, yeah, the passion and energy is like, yeah, the number one thing to get to have and to work on, basically, I would say. It's a good segue to another question that I want to ask you, because let's say during times when there's no crisis, you know, sort of those blue sky days that we have, um, we still need those leadership skills, um, whether it's building relationships, as you talked about, or... Uh, being able to evaluate whether our messaging is influencing and then having some skills to reassess how we want to communicate and things like that. 
give some advice to our colleagues about the skills that are required to run an effective program and to uh, influence in their organization? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm anyone to give uh, anyone's advice, but what I am trying to work on yeah. is, and not only now, it's something I've always tried to, to, to work on because I, I, I've been in this job, you know, for not by accident. I've been in this job because I wanted to do this job my entire life, as far as I remember. And I think is to start from the heart. And if we learn to, to, to do our, jo- our job, sorry, um, coming from the heart, you know, what purpose, what's the intention we have behind every action we take, behind every decision we have to make, be- behind every conversation we have, right? Yeah. What also is, you know, um, I, I have a, a business coach and she was saying the other day that really hit me because it was uh, right before the thing started escalating in, in between Russia and Ukraine. She said, thinking as a, as a, as a CEO, as a business owner, right? Yeah. Thinking when we have employees, thinking that them versus us is a myth. There is no such thing. It's always you know, it's always all to everyone together, basically, right? Sure, sure. And I think having that humility, that humility to not position ourselves as an expert, you know, mm-hmm. I never call myself an expert in anything. I'm just, you know, I've been doing my job in security and crisis management for 20 years now. I can do it poorly sometimes. I can do it in a very excellent way other days. I'm always working on it, Right. But I having that humility to never position myself uh, on top of anyone, uh, being better than anyone. It's I think you know as a leader or a manager or anyone, I think humility is key as well. That's also you know speaking from the heart, right? And the the last but not least would be courage, right? Mm. Uh, it's um, having the courage to say no, having the courage to say I don't know, having the courage to ask for help. Yeah. Uh, especially in times of crisis, right? It's it's gonna get harder and harder for a, a, a lot of people in the industry. Well, ask for help. It's okay. Take a break. It's okay. You know, no one is asking us to uh, to be superheroes. Um, and uh, and and yes, everyone is looking to us. And again, during the conversation last week, you know, they were like, as many of the the attendees were saying. Yes, but people looking to us to fix things and to find solutions. Of course, of course. Doesn't mean we have to get overwhelmed by our emotions all the time, but right. we have a right to say, you know what, right now, let me take a minute or let me let me think about this because I have a, I don't have the straight answer right from the top of my head right this minute. Even if I'm speaking to the CEO, I'm saying this because I've done it myself. I have done it myself. I really like that because... You're right to say that sometimes it takes courage to be able to say that, to be able to say, you know what, I don't know. And I don't think anyone is expecting us to be perfect. And what I'm saying, you know, having the humility to ask for help, you know, I'm an army of, of one myself as a as the CEO of my company. I mean, I don't have any employee. I work with lots of people, but I don't have any employee. Right. When I need help, I go outside. That's also what I'm saying, right? Yeah, we exactly. have 
you know, peers, we have colleagues we can go to outside our companies. We have, uh, obviously, we have friends and families. But if we really want to stick to the professional environment, there's plenty of people we can go speak to and um, and honestly say, you know what, I'm, I'm stuck here and I said this. Do you think I did? I, I said the right thing? Do you think I should change the course of action? Do you think it's okay? It's okay. It doesn't mean we're not calm anymore. It doesn't mean we're not structured. It's it's just no one is asking us to be perfect. And asking for help in no way means or implies that you're incompetent. Yeah, no. It just means no. that you, you, on a topic here or there, you need some help. You need some support. We all do. And especially in those, I mean, the situation in Ukraine, this, even with the COVID, everything was so complex, right? To understand yeah. everything and no one... I mean, no one can be an expert at everything, right? So COVID was a health issue. Now Ukraine, it's a geopolitical issue. So that's what I love about our job is that we get to cover a lot of very different situation, but I'm no expert at everything. Right. No, you're right. But a lot of times it's easy to get discouraged about our own development Um, So what would you say to someone who is hearing you speak about different leadership skills and maybe they don't feel adequate? I hear a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome, and I'm not sure I'm really qualified to do this. So what advice would you give to our peers who maybe don't feel quite adequate about where they are and their own level of leadership? I would say, um, first of all, it happens to me a lot to not feel adequate. Uh, so, and I think it happens to a lot of people. Um, I think it's a, a very human feeling uh, to, to feel and have. I think it's important to talk about it, whether publicly or in private. So mm. um, there's nothing to be ashamed about, right? To not feel adequate. Sometimes we feel like we don't have enough resources including internal resources, right? To deal with the situation. Yeah. And sometimes it's a... So there are situations, of course, like I said, it's daily work. I want to answer this question in two parts. You know, in an ideal world, we we get at it we get you know we we become I become brave and I'm like, okay, you know, you work on it daily, you do whatever it takes to 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 walk the talk and do what I was just describing to you, to you before, Mark, right? Yeah. And sometimes I am hugely successful at it and sometimes I fail, but I never, I never um, uh, give up basically, right? The other thing is during a crisis, it's actually happened to me in the past and I, you know, for the sake of confidentiality, it was a very, very difficult uh, crisis and it's happened to me in the past that I actually went to my manager at the time and I said, you know what, it's time for me to step aside because oh, I don't really? feel that I have the internal resources anymore to do what I'm being required to do. Hmm. I had been, you know, to my defense, I had been dealing with the situation for six months. So it's not like I was bailing out after seven days, right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it really depends on the situation. It's um, it's all about taking care of ourselves, basically. Some of those skills, yes, it's about working daily on it. And, and as, as leaders in the industry, as CEOs, as business owners, as uh, regional security managers, crisis leaders, whatever, whatever title we have, we have a duty to work on those leadership skills. Sorry. 
And sometimes we also have a duty to realize and recognize that might be relevant to just step aside for a little bit, not for the rest of our lives, just for a little bit, right? Right. No, that's very interesting. I want to shift gears here. And my last question for you is this. I feel like you and I are mirror images of each other, both called Hoffman. We both run (laughs) successful consulting practices. I'm male, you're female. I'm in North America, you're in Europe. We're just two sides of literally the same coin. Yes. (laughs) I recognize something. You have more responsibilities than I do. Your job is harder than mine because you're also a mother. So talk about the added challenge of being a mom and a CEO and what that's taught you about the industry, yourself, and the whole work-life balance. Well, thank you very much. You know what? To be honest with you, when I saw that that question, when you sent it to me, it actually moved me because I was like, yeah, wow, someone is recognizing that it's hard to be a mom and a CEO at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it warmed my, my, my heart, really. So thank you for recognizing it. Um, the challenge, I would say, number one, is like many, many mothers around the world, uh, nothing new here is sometimes the guilt of uh, working and not being with my kids, right? And so that's one one thing. What's what's it taught me about work-life balance? I think it's, yeah, when I see my kids every morning, every evening, because I, you know, I'm I'm lucky and I've built my life to be able to see them every morning and every evening. Um, I hate to call myself lucky um, because I work hard for what I, what I have. So, um, of course, it's a huge reminder, right, of why am I doing what I'm doing? Even when I'm facing walls, right, it's, um, it, they, they are the reason I'm doing what I'm doing, right. especially now as a business owner, especially uh, for them to show them, yes, do, we don't give up. We, we just keep at it when, you know, when we have a vision, when we have a purpose, when we have an intention, just get at it, get back on our feet and just go at it right and sometimes it requires hard work sometimes it you know we have the possibility to slow down but it's I think the balance is always about this you know it's finding acknowledging that sometimes I have to work 15 hours a day and others I can take a I can take a break so that's really they've taught me this right to really find moments right. where it's time to go full speed and others where it's time to slow down, okay? The other thing in terms of professional development is it actually dawned on me that all of us, all of us, 8 billion people are basically children as well. And if I was to manage people again, uh, you know, I, would, I think I would have a completely way of managing people if I was to have a team again. Because... I realize when I look at my kids, they're very young, they're two and, a, and two, two years old and five years old. I realize that all adults, they're just grown up kids. What I'm seeing in them is, <laughs> is just, but I'm saying this, you know, in a, in a nice way, mm-hmm, right? in a nice way. You know, when we, when we see emotions, when we see the frustration, when we see uh, so many things and, um, and it's actually, uh, it's a big realization to me because it made me realize how much responsibility I have and my husband too, it's not only me, we have in for their education because whatever we're doing now with them, 
they will carry it for the rest of their lives. And so that's why I'm saying when I say we have kids, it's just, you know, we're just carrying whatever we've, we've been um, taught, I would say. But the benefit that your children have is that you can teach them to be resilient, which yes, is <laughs> an amazing skill to learn. It really is. Alexandra, let me get you out of here on this. Uh, people might want to reach out and connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Alexandra Hoffman, it's super easy. Really do not hesitate to, to reach out. Um, super easy to speak to and speak with and uh, very open for conversations. So when I said this was the Hoffman and Hoffman episode, I didn't say which one of us got top billing. And I didn't even get into which one of us spells our name right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for doing this. I appreciate uh, having you here. And thanks for being a guest on The Resilient Journey. Thank you very much, Mark. It was a great podcast. Great questions. Thank you very much. The time flew by, didn't it? Yes, it did. It did. All right. Thanks again. A big thanks to my guest this week, Alexandra Hoffman. I really do feel like she and I have a lot in common, way beyond having the same last name. Thanks, as always, to Clear Risk for sponsoring the Resilient Journey podcast. Please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We sure to appreciate it. Next week, we continue our series on leadership by talking with the CEO of SEMO Electric Cooperative, Sean Van Slyke. Sean is an inspirational leader, and you won't want to miss this one. So join us, won't you? as we continue our resilient journey.